as always, I am Jack Hyman, alongside my co-host Mitchell Smedley. And Mitch, it's 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 not good, Jack. It's not good, man. It's been a rough couple months for you, buddy. You've seen some success, but in the brightest moments and on the biggest stage, it seems that your favorite teams have just come up short in the past couple months. And I'm sorry, I know, I know that hurts, but it has to be said. No pun said. intended, by the way. No pun intended with the hurts thing. Oh. Just because your quarterback name happens no, to be hurts. hurts, it hurts. It does hurt, but. We are going to break down everything that was Super Bowl 57 here in hour number one. Uh, and then hour number two, we can shift to more of a bit of positive note because baseball is less than 50 days away from starting. Please so you can at least look forward to that. Please. And March Madness Selection Sunday, 27 days away. Some very exciting sports events on the horizon. But the end of the NFL football season was a theatrical game that was very entertaining. I know you're not going to take it that way just because you're an Eagles fan and the way the game ended and yada, yada, yada. And we'll talk about all that coming up shortly. But can I say something first about this game as a whole? Absolutely. This game, you're right. It was a theatrical Super Bowl. Very good game. Instant classic. Absolutely. Taken from us by an atrocious call that will forever haunt this game, and I believe the NFL, as one of its best games, was decided by one of its worst calls. And I, I just want, you know, obviously, Jack will, Jack will tell you it's the right call. No, it's not. We will dispute that. No, I know you will. But this was uh, going to be one of the best games uh, ever played. Maybe not ever played. One of the best Super Bowls, especially in recent memory. Um, back and forth. Close game. It was tied with uh, under two to go. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that the Eagles would have won the game if the holding on James Bradbury wasn't made. But um, I'm certainly saying it feels like we didn't have a chance. So, Jack, that's it's just my I, an instant classic tainted by yellow is all I, all I got for you. So that's far. Mitch's opening monologue from his perspective of the game uh, to open today's show. And look, that is the perspective of a Hurt fan. There's no way around it. It's just someone who they got to the game and came up short again. And honestly, outside of 2017, that's kind of that's what the Eagles have done. Yeah, I mean, just get there and fall short time after time after time. I mean, you can go back and pin in the times in the Andy Reid era and yada, yeah. yada. 2004, right? Yeah, 2002. 2004, 2003. 2002, the early 2000s. I mean, yeah. get in deep playoff runs and coming up short again and again and again. And look, we could talk about the holding call all day long. But that's not the only thing that defined this game. You want to talk about what defined this game, Jack? What, what defined lost the this Eagles game. this game was the Eagles' defensive line, uh, the inability to get to Patrick Mahomes at all. The Eagles' defense as a whole, not just the front four. I mean, everybody. I mean, you can even you know, go, go to the coaching, too. Apart, yeah. And the coaching matchup, we talked about it on the Wednesday show, was going to be huge in this game. Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon's game plan on defense came up massively short. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get to Mahomes. And they let Mahomes slice and dice his way down the field, pick him apart. I mean, pretty much every time he was throwing to a receiver, it was just, where's the defense? I mean, these guys are running around wide open. What what did Mahomes have, like three incompletions? I believe 21 of 27 on the day. (laughs) Yeah. Goes for only a buck 82, but you know what? It was an efficient 182. I turned off the TV. Did he win Super Bowl MVP? He did. Of course. How? 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 Um, I mean, he did... Go for 183, three touchdowns, and 44 rushing yards. 183, Jack. It's not 182. I mean, it's not great, but you know what? Uh, it, it got the job done. It's just so He played exciting. a clean slate game. 
It's so upset. Again, does 182 jump off the page to me? No, but at the end of the day, I mean, the guy played a fantastic game. It was his best Super Bowl performance. In his first two Super Bowls, two touchdowns, four interceptions combined. This game, three wow, touchdowns, I didn't know no that. picks. Holy yeah. smokes. He did not play well in his first two Super Bowl appearances and was 1-1 one and one now, 2-1 and one in the Super Bowl with the win yesterday over the Eagles. And that was his best Super Bowl performance. He looked calm, cool, and collected. The moment did not look too big for Mahomes. And he didn't he didn't play super, you know, Superman type ball. He just lined up and found his receivers all day long. It was Juju and Kelsey, the two guys. That's it. That's all they did. They accounted for 13 of Mahomes' 21 completions. MVS was a non-factor. We talked about him. Could he be huge? He wasn't. Had one, I believe, one target, and it was an incompletion along the sideline on a, on a corner post route. Sky Moore got in the end zone. Sky Moore got in the end zone. Kadarius Tony got in the end zone, all along with that big punt return and the bad punt from Sipos, which we'll talk about. There were a lot of plays that defined this game outside of that holding late. And that's that's all with the media and everyone's going to be talking about holding, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, and, you know, it's fair because it was called and it was huge and at a critical time of the game. But that game, like we mentioned, man, it's just the Chiefs' offensive line. And I was talking about this with my dad last night. When grown men get disrespected for two weeks, hearing that the Eagles' defensive line is just going to have their way, they're going to get to Mahomes and they're going to make him feel it all night long, that's bulletin board material for these guys, man. That, that, that is extra motivation that you do not need when playing in the Super Bowl. You're playing the Super Bowl. That, that, you know, we, we mention all the time, this is Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I mean, it gets you hyped up. I mean, the big game, it's the biggest game of the season. It's the, it's the NFL's biggest stage. You don't need any extra motivation, and the Chiefs offensive line got that, and they played probably their best game of the season. Hassan Reddick, stifled. Yeah. Everyone stifled. No sacks. No sacks. No sacks, no turnovers, nothing. I mean, what, Mahomes has hurried maybe three times three. all night? yeah, and he, I think he still completed those passes. Maybe completed he, a couple he rolled of them, out once and threw ran, an incompletion. Ran up the middle for 20-plus on that yep. one play, felt the pocket collapsing, just take off and run it on that final drive. Yep. I mean, you can't let a guy who's that efficient and that good, the best QB in the league, get that time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... I was thinking about this. It was kind of like a Brady-esque performance, you know, in the fact that he was just able, Mahomes being. He was just able to sit there. Was able to just sit there and pick you apart. He can just sit there. can just sit there and just slice you and dice you down the field. It's like, of course he's going to put up 38 points. You're not anywhere near him. Yeah, exactly. It, it was it was mind-boggling. We'll get back to that in a minute, though, as we do have a brief message from the K or Notebook. Attention, KU community. Spend Valentine's Week meeting others and enjoying a root beer float at Speed and Float on Wednesday, February 15th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. inside South Dining Hall, Room 1. Enjoy speed friending, come solo, or with friends. Please enter through the event entrance by the ATM. We hope to see you there. This message of community interest is brought to you by the Radio Voice of Castanet University, KUR. We are back here on Heavy Hitters, bright and early. On this Monday morning, I know, Mitch, this is probably one of your worst feeling shows. You're coming into this Oof. one. Not feeling great. This is bad, Jack. Like, this is... Uh, Not as bad as the Phillies World Series. Well, thing. I was I was going to say, the, the interesting thing about that, right, is um, this the, the loss itself is not as bad as losing the World Series. That, I was I was irate. I was upset. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was calling for Jose Alvarado's head. Yeah. But... You were. That was a Saturday night. I remember that. That was a Saturday night. You had, had some time. all of Sunday to calm down and come in here. Quick turnaround, man. Which also was at 2 p.m., right, last semester. Yeah, now it's bright and early at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. 
We're not even 12 hours removed from the game, Jack. No. We're not even 12 hours removed from the game. What, game ended at, what, 10.30? 10.15? Yeah, 10.15-ish. We were talking after the game, man. But, look, at the end of the day... We talking, <laughs> talking after the game as I'm walking down Main Street. Yeah. In, uh, in central Kutztown. Kutztown, Pennsylvania. No, but... um, It's an empty feeling. Yeah, it is. and It's an empty feeling. It's... Again, I was telling you, you just don't envy that feeling, man. Your team getting so close and coming up just short. Jack, it, it, it was an incomplete pass on third down. They were going to kick the field. I, it was going to be 38-35 anyways. But there was going to be over a minute. Yeah, there, there was over a minute. And I just, I, oh, I was, I was like, oh, we got a chance. And then all of my, you know, obviously I turned away from the TV at that point because I'm like, let's go. Right and uh, and then everyone in the room, Fly! and I I just I just dove I just dove on the rug I was like this is not happening this is not no happening. And, and I remember my reaction too I'm like oh they're gonna take a field and I see the flag marker on the TV and it's I'm like wow there there's a flag here let me see this and look I knew it was defensive yeah you you knew it was defensive just from the timing of it yep. and everything like that but you know. It's just, it, it's sick for you, man. I do feel for you, you know, just a little bit. Was yeah. I happy the Chiefs won? Of course. Yeah, you were. Because I'm a, I'm a Giants fan of a rival. You know, yeah. we're rivals, and you don't root for your rivals in the Super Bowl. What, you weren't, uh, you know, keeping up with James Bradbury's career? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I was, man. And honestly, you know, former Giants crushed yeah. the Eagles in that game. Yeah. Kadarius Tony with a huge punt return. He had the touchdown, and then the former Giant Bradbury with the hold. And, you know, we, we talked about that quite a lot already. And Bradbury himself admitted that it was a hold. And, and you know, we, we can make the fuss and we can, you know, talk about it all day long. The, the ball was in New Mexico. But the player. It was in New Mexico. But it doesn't so take away from away. the fact that if you listen to the wording, prior to the pass, holding defense. Uncatchable is an invalid talking point. I know then. it's invalid, Jack. Change the rule. That ball was nowhere near catchable. I got to go back. It and doesn't look. take away from was the, the fact ball that Bradbury in impeded the Juju from running the route he initially wanted to run. You can't do that. You can't tug the jersey, and you can't alter. It's just, man. Look, it was it a little ticky tack, and they weren't calling that stuff all night. Sure. I can agree with you on that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, by the NFL rule book, like that. but by the NFL rule book, that is a hold. But by the refs that night, right? By the refs that night, all you want is consistency. That's all players ever ask for, isn't it? In any sport. You see it with a strike zone in MLB. You see it with uh PI in football, right? You've seen it with holding here. They weren't calling that all night. All night. And you're gonna decide a Super Bowl on that call? Come on. Who was the who was the ref last night? It was uh oh what's his he's got the weakest voice in the league. Carl Cheffers? Yeah, something like that. That's the head ref. Yeah, he's so, so weak. And it's look sounding. I'm sure he's a great guy, but that call was weak. And uh I'm upset about it. And um man. One man. point we haven't talked about yet is I said on the Wednesday show, Eagles 24th ranked rushing defense. Yeah, it, no, I, I believe Giving up 4.5 yards per carry a game. I said they had to keep the Chiefs under five if they wanted a good shot, and they didn't. I believe mean, me, I, heard, I had your voice in my ear uh, the entire fourth quarter as the Chiefs were just able to move the ball wherever they wanted. I just kept hearing 24th ranked. 
24th ranked. 24th ranked. I was like... And they couldn't stop it. This is not happening. Yeah, and, you know, watching that game, Pacheco timely runs, gets that huge hit in the sternum from CJGJ late. Yeah. Thought he might be out, comes back, gets some huge runs, especially in that third and one. Let's not forget what the rest of the media is going to focus on. Thought Patrick Mahomes was out in the second quarter. Yeah, you know, that, that ankle, it looked bad at the time. He was hobbling. But a warrior, I mean, both these quarterbacks, man, warrior-type efforts. Look, I have my suspicions all playoffs, and I'm, and I'm going to talk about Jalen Hurts in a little bit, and I know we're going to do We're going to have a whole segment this. dedicated to Jalen And that's going to be after the break. Yeah. But both these quarterbacks fought through that I thought, I mean, Mahomes clearly with the ankle. I, didn't, I don't think Hurts is fully healthy. But again, who really is fully healthy at this point of the year? Who is? But Not a lot of guys. Hurts had that 45-yarder to A.J., it looked like it took a lot to get yes, that there. Yes, it very much did, and and you could see it on the final play. What it did, final pass go yeah, like forty pass, yards. Yeah, it landed at the twenty-five. It was yeah. like 10, 15 yards short of any receiver. Yeah, I don't think Jalen Hurts is fully healthy, but you know what? He proved me wrong in a lot of ways, and I, I had my doubts about him. But man, you know what? He he's tough, and he does fit the Philadelphia mantra. He's a guy that you know Eagle fans can get behind, and whether you agree with me or not, Mitch, I was very impressed by the way he played, and I don't think that game. Falls on him. I mean, he had the he had the mistake with the fumble in the second quarter, but that's not what defined the game. Sure, did it made a difference? Absolutely, because you take those seven points off the board without a mistake, it's a completely different game. But it's you know, there's a lot of other areas you could talk about the run game with Pacheco. By the way, I mentioned Pacheco. Love the way that kid runs the football. He's a hard runner, not afraid to get downhill and take some contact. He's he's a tough runner. Cheese fans are going to like the way that kid runs it for for years to come. I think Pacheco. He's not going to be a guy who you know blows you away on the stat sheet. But he's a guy who just has that physical toughness to him. And it comes from his Jersey background, I think. You know, growing up and kind of being doubted from the time he was, you know, back in high school and only going to Rutgers and now picking what picked in the seventh round. I mean, he's he's a true a lot of underdog stories in that game. And the Kelsey brothers didn't come from, you know, a high profile ranked recruits, both went to Cincinnati and they paved their way yeah. to, to NFL stardom. You know, Jalen Hurts did go to Alabama, but he was doubted a lot. Took out in the national championship game, so mm-hmm. a lot of the faces that game. Yeah, I was wearing my Jason Kelsey jersey. Last weren't night. really prolific recruits. I have no idea. But even Mahomes, is, by the way, he man. wasn't a highly touted guy coming out of high school. Yeah, went to Texas Tech, tenth overall pick or something. Yeah, yeah, like third or fourth QB drafted. Yep, made his way to a top ten pick from being you know a three star <laughs> to a, you know a run in the mill Big Twelve program and now being the best QB in the league. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky was drafted in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ooh. Sorry, Bears fans. Sorry, Bears fans. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor, poor Bears fans. I think Justin Fields will be fine, but yeah, he's got to get some, he'll be okay. some stuff around him. But, yeah, it's, uh, we'll talk about it. We're coming to our first break here. But we are. Just I'll just less say, than two minutes. I'll just say, like, the worst, maybe one of the worst parts about this game is that I can't fully find it in my heart to blame Jalen Hurts for the loss. No, and, you And know, that hurts me, Jack. That hurts me. And honestly, I'm not going to blame it a lot on Nick Sirianni either. I think oh, I'm, pr- I'm blaming Gannon. Gannon it's Jonathan Gannon. Absolutely, his, you know what, is way out on of the here. streets of Philly. He needs to be out. I have had, I have had absolutely enough with this defense. I am, I have been tired of it. Uh, we've had players that can overcome it, but on the biggest stage, it got exposed in grand fashion to the tune of 38 points in the Super Bowl. 31 allowed by the defense. I don't care. And we were hearing it, man. Look, the talk of the town was that this Eagles defense is is just this, 
you know, grand thing. And they do they do have some very good players. They, it but is they grand play, when you allow them to to do their thing. But they've played but they played very poor. And it, a lot of it was Gannon scheming. I'm not going to disagree. But at the end of the day, at some moments, you got to have your biggest players make some plays. And they didn't do that. I understand that. It goes both They're ways. They're put in position to fail. They, yes. They, I, I will agree that Gannon did would not agree put them that, in great spots. I think some of them are more capable uh, to overcome that, yes. that starting position. And I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the secondary. I'm disappointed in Bradbury holding on that play. Uh, I'm disappointed in Hassan Reddick not busting through the line. I mean, how many of those touchdowns were walk-ins? Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, there was nobody in the, in the same zip code. Sky Moore, walk-in touchdown. Kadarius Tony, walk-in walk touchdown. touchdown. Travis Kelsey cooks Marcus Epps on the first touchdown. Marcus Epps easy, is terrible. Easy touchdown for Kelsey. Yeah, if Pacheco with a walk-in rushing touchdown inside the five, I mean, that's tough for any defense, but he just goes in untouched. Uh, and then... No uh, one's getting pads on anybody. Yeah, I mean, it was just... And how many how many throws from Mahomes were just like we talked about earlier, unrushed, unpressured, easy. easy. Jalen Hurts had pressured his face last night. <sighs> Timely defensive play is one that also for the Chiefs. They they didn't play the best defensive game, but they got off the field when they needed to, and they forced you know a turnover when they needed it. Not yeah. really didn't force it. Well, Hurts just kind of dropped the ball. But we've um we've been well, I've been screaming here in Philly. Uh, for this consist, and I could point to a bunch of different moments. It happened last year. It happened all throughout the season. I look at the first drive of the Saints game, first drive of the Saints game where they just took half the quarter, running the ball the entire time, just absolutely shoving it on Gannon and his boys, and uh, it, it really, it really came to a head here. Um, imagine that when a team has a quarterback, um, you know, because the last two that we've played in the playoffs didn't have quarterbacks. Sorry, Daniel Jones. Um, when that happens, when you have a quarterback that can play football against you, my oh my, it's it's probably a bad idea to play eight yards away from receivers. And it goes back just to the a point. thought. And it just goes real quick. We're gonna, we are going to go to break, but one more thing yeah. is that just goes to show how kind of weak the NFC was. Yeah, I mean the Eagles got tested in the Super Bowl and they couldn't overcome it, they especially in the did. second half. They really should have had a chance to overcome it, Jack. But because they, despite all that we've talked about, all the failures, all the shortcomings they had, they were up 10 at half, and they had a chance to go down and win that game until that flag flew. They had a chance. They made the stop on defense. With that being said, yes. we will take our first break of today's show. When we come back, fully getting into more things, Super Bowl 57. we got a lot more to talk about. We brought up a lot of the big headlines to this point, but we're going to take some in-depth, deep dives into what was uh, Super Bowl 57 and the X's and O's side of things. All that and more coming to our next on the flip side of this break here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Jack Heim is always joined by my wonderful co-host, Mitchell Smedley. Ooh. He's not doing so wonderful today, but <laughs> it's okay, Mitch. Brighter times are ahead. While it does hurt and feel dreary now, the grass is green on the other side, as the saying goes. I don't want to talk about green things today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get that. But we are talking about a green thing right now, and that is the what? What is the shade? Midnight green for the Philadelphia Eagles? The what? Is it is the shade of green called midnight? Oh, green? midnight green. Yeah, they're going to be going back to Kelly Green. Okay. So. Okay. But I digress from the ins and outs of the colors of the, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we <laughs> got to talk about. That. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the game, but one thing we haven't really, well, a couple things we haven't really talked about, I should say, is that, I mean, the field conditions for this game were terrible. I mean, my goodness. <coughs> I saw a graphic. Excuse you, sir. Oh, um, wow. pardon me. 
to just taking a light refreshment and bam, man, just starts choking over there, man. Mm. Thought you were the Eagles from halftime with the choke job. Oh, ouch! Look, Mitch, you knew I couldn't go the whole show without giving me a little Oof. burn. I'm sorry. That kind of one was set up on a silver Oof. platter. It was like a meatball down the middle. Just had to park at 450 dead center. Jordan Alvarez knows a thing or two about that. 24 to 11 in the second half. Yeah, man, that that's tough, and that's we'll talk about fun. that a little bit more. But uh, time of possession. Oh. Ah. 35 to 24 in favor of the Eagles. A large majority of that came in half number one. Yep. And it was a tale of two halves, really. Eagles, great first half. You thought maybe, you know, you know, can we get some stops of defense in the second half and try to close this thing out? No. We, we know the answer to that now was no. But, man, I mean, just the control they had on this game just va- vanished. It just vanished. It's just gone. And, and it's not, uh, look, it's not like the Eagles particularly controlled things. Like, yeah, they got one three and out in the first half. But the other um, the other reason the Chiefs didn't have as many points as the Eagles was the missed field goal. You know? If those two drives go as they maybe could have, right, make the field goal and drive down and score touchdowns, tied at half. Right? Like, let's not pretend the Eagles, like, outright dominated this first half. I saw this coming miles away when I was watching the game. I was not hopeful that that lead was it, – it felt like a tie game at halftime. That's how I felt. I, I thought the Chiefs were going to get an automatic 10 points. Uh, it was a matter of if we could stop them after that in the uh, fourth quarter. I thought it was going to be somewhat tied heading into the fourth. Eagles were up by four, I believe. Uh, maybe six. I think it was six. 27-21. Uh, yes. Yeah, that sounds right. And um, they couldn't do anything. They could not do anything. Um but I, I totally don't – I mean, from start to finish, it just looked like aside from one three and out, um, Mahomes had his way, led his team up and down and up and down the field. And, and like I said, only uh, – Eagles only got out to their lead because of a, a missed field goal. And, you know, to be fair, you could be like, well, the Chiefs were only in the game because the fumble recovery. You know, that doesn't happen, by the way. Eagles were up by 17 at the half. Yeah, could have been a completely different, different game. story. So I do blame Jalen Hurts for that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, that, um, that was his one blunder. Yeah. yeah, and, and in a Super Bowl, that's all it takes. Yeah, exactly. You know, again, and I'm, Brady fumbled once, he lost. That's not what cost the Eagles the game. Did it help contribute to the Chiefs being able to, you know, keep things looking closer? Uh, half, of course it did. But at the end of the day, they were still holding the half of football to be played, and a lot of things happened in that second half that you can look to and say, well, of course you can nitpick different plays and this and that mm-hmm. and this and that. But there was a lot of overarching things that led to the result being what it did. And... I want to talk about the Eagles rushing game, man. Mm. I mean, the Eagles rushing Where game did it go? What got them game? to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, they ran it down the, the Giants' throats. The Niners. They ran it down the Niners' throats when they needed to, especially as that game went on. I mean, against the Chiefs, and it's not like the Chiefs have just this juggernaut rushing defense. No, they don't. And it really surprises me that the Eagles went away from one of their biggest strengths in their biggest game of the year. Did Hurts throw well? He did. With 27 for 308, 304 and a touchdown. It's averaging eight yards of completion. He played a good game through the air passing-wise. Rushing-wise, too. Three rushing touchdowns for Hurts. I mean, he played a really solid game. But, I mean, outside of that, Miles Sanders, who I think is a very overrated running back in terms of comparatively overrated is a commonly used term. But if you're looking at, you know, what what is Miles Sanders? Where was he? I, did, did, did 26 and Green show up outside of, you know, fumbling it on the first play of the game and you know, getting away with a near fumble in the third quarter with, you know, the overturn call with a near another Nick Bolton scoop and score. 
<sighs> I mean, that, that play had Eagles fans, oof, oh. hearts in your stomach. You oh. think it's another fumble, scoop and score? I mean, my gracious. That was a bad moment. That was a really it was, bad and moment. I mean, seven carries, 16 yards for your quote-unquote running back one? I mean, come on. It was awful. You need more out of that, man. I thought Kenneth Gamble could be a contributor, man. Three yards a carry, seven for 21? I mean, this running back room was very, very underwhelming. It was awful. And, um, and it's also partly on the offensive line for not being able to get so many push. Yeah. That, isn't that surprising? We talked about where the Eagles had the Number one offensive line yeah. in the league all year, and they couldn't get anything mustered up on the ground. And they went away from it early. I know. They, well, they tried in the first quarter, and then it was like a very heavy pass attack from there on out pretty much. I actually was in favor of that. Um, somehow the Chiefs developed a game plan to stop the Eagles' running game. And I decided that it was best for our offense to uh, – I act like I'm the coordinator. I said it was best for our offense to to just throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, and that, that ended up working. You put up 35 points in the Super Bowl. I can't complain about that. I'm not going to complain, you know, sure, over the course of a season, yes, I would like the Eagles to run the ball more than they did last night at a higher percentage, at a higher volume, at a higher uh, effectiveness. But um, – I thought passing it, I thought Jalen Hurts taking things into his own hands. I thought that was the right move uh, last night, the way the game was going. You knew the Chiefs were going to score and keep scoring. You had to find the thing that would work immediately. You didn't have three quarters to play around like in the Colts game when we came back. Um, You know, this is not Indianapolis, man. This is the Super Bowl. Exactly, yeah. Change the city, but it still applies. uh, What is it? What did you say? No, I just said you you change the city for the reference. Oh yeah, but it exactly. still It still works. Yeah, it fits. Still, point still stands. Exactly. Um, I thought you said Kansas City, and I was like, yeah. no, it's uh, it's Indianapolis, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I do believe the Colts play um, in Indianapolis. Yes. By the way, have fun there, Shane Steichen. Oh please, get out of my face. Honestly, um, I don't think it was the problem. I think the offense developed a pretty decent game plan. Like fine last night. Yeah. The passing game worked. Offense put up three straight playoff games over thirty points. So. By the way, we'll talk about the Shane Steichen and the Colts thing a little bit. They just think it's funny how they go to that well again. Yeah. But please get Steve Jonathan Gannon <laughs> off Jonathan, of my football Steve, team. Jonathan and quotes Steve Gannon off this team. Yeah. Yes. It was it's, bad. It honestly gave me shades of the Buccaneers wildcard loss last year with how the defense just couldn't get stops. Could not. Could not get stops. It was just eerily familiar to that game feeling-wise defensively. The only difference was the offense was able to be efficient and keep them in the game. Yeah. That's that's really the only difference. You're I mean, exactly if your offense right. does not play well, that game's a rout. Yeah, exactly. The way the the way the, the Chiefs are just and throwing I like to, and catching. Yeah, and I don't like to live in the land of hypotheticals because that is a hypothetical. Well, the Eagles offense was playing well, and they did. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, we could only beat this drum so many times, but it applies, man. Jonathan Gannon, wow, very underwhelming. Game plan, defense, very underwhelming performance. And, yes, we mentioned they weren't put in the greatest position to succeed. But, you know, Darius Slay, you get paid the big bucks, buddy. And yeah, uh, come on. Someone's got to make a play when you need it because the Chiefs did. The Chiefs made the plays defensively when they needed to. Exactly. Third and two, what was it, third quarter, they get Hurts to roll out to the left, have to throw it to the side and incomplete punt. And then that mm-hmm. led to the Tony punt return. Those are the huge plays defensively that really are not going to get looked at a whole lot that the Chiefs made down the stretch when they needed to. And the Eagles just couldn't make those plays at all, pretty much all night. Yeah. I uh, 
it's one thing for the uh, Chiefs to stand up and make plays. It's another for the Eagles to put themselves in holes. And, and there was a bit of, you know, I, I just said I liked most of the offensive play calling. I, there were some pieces I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, I think it was third quarter, third or fourth quarter, actually. Uh, Eagles got like four on first down with a quick pass. And then um, it's second and six. And rather than, you know, traditionally running the ball, right, or passing the ball, which was working, they do this Jalen Hurts rollout thing, loses a yard, gets pushed out of bounds. Right? Yep, that was I the, know what you're talking about. That was the sack, right? Yep, rushed to the, the right. for the Chiefs. Yep, they were trying to do a, uh, they pulled Mylotta, uh off with the run, and then they had, I believe, Smith blocking two. Yeah. And he got pushed out for a loss because there was just no hole for Hurts to run. Right. And he didn't want to take some unnecessary contact and push out of bounds, made it a third and seven. Third and seven. And then incomplete get off the field, I yeah. believe. I believe. I, I believe they were off the field. After. I th- it might have been like a field goal. Uh, I think that was the field goal drive, right? I believe so. Let's so, uh, see there. I think that was like our – I think it was early in the third, actually. So I thought it was a fourth quarter drive. But um, like there were bad moments like that. But uh, there were some good, right? Let's, let's highlight a, a good aspect of the Eagles game last night, and that was the being down eight. With uh, seven minutes, six minutes to go in the game. And Jalen Hurts, you know, putting together that drive to get them down and eventually tie the game. Which, by the way, I have no idea how he got in the end zone on the two-point conversion. Um, Just lower his shoulder, man. Those are the will plays, man. Those are the will plays that really impressed you from Hurts last night. Thank you for bringing that up, Mitch. I didn't even think about that. That two-point conversion, there was not a lot there. There was nothing there. There were three Chiefs defenders, and he just lowers his shoulder. I saw them all standing there. I was just upset, man. I was just upset. I'm like, the whole team is there. And then he and then they're like, oh, he's in. I'm like, what? Because I turned away. I thought the play was a wrap, actually. I did stop watching the play. Um, and then they're like, he got in. And I was like, we're tied. You kidding me? But uh hitting Devontae Smith down the sideline, under threw the ball, right? Um you could chalk that up to the shoulder. Who knows? Got in got in the end zone the next play. It is what it is. Uh it's just, you know, it, it was so up and down offensively and up and down, but still scoring 35 points. It was a weird game like that where you're like, you look up and it's like both teams are over 30 and you're like, really? Yeah. Um, it was it really, really, up until the holding call, Jack, it really reminded me of Super Bowl 52. It really felt like it. Just a back and forth, Eagles up by 10 at the half shootout. I'm going to be honest. Chiefs take the lead in the in the fourth quarter like the Patriots did. What were you going to be honest about? I thought all night long, my gut was telling me that the Eagles are just going to somehow find a way to pull it out. Yeah. And they just didn't. And that was really surprising to me because as good of a game offensively as the Chiefs played, I just thought that this Eagles team was just going to get the surge at the right time, down the stretch. You would think, right? be able to get the win, and it just didn't happen. And I was very surprised. One play I do want to talk about in the third quarter was uh, that deep shot that Hurts dialed up for Watkins. Oh, oh, come on! That was a beautiful throw. It's all season. All season he can't hold on to the ball. That was a beautiful throw from Hurts. You know what the miracle is? They didn't is? take deep shots all night for a lot of the night, and Hurts throws that down the middle of the field on the money. And Watkins just couldn't come up with it. That would have put him down at the 10. Maybe you know, inside. I think inside the 10. You know what the miracle is, And they had to settle for Jack. a field goal on that drive. The miracle of that play is that it wasn't intercepted. Because all season long, uh, all season long, when Quez Watkins has a ball in his hands, it traditionally gets intercepted. Somehow, he just always loses the ball. Yeah, gets it ripped away. Gets it ripped or, away. Or tips it in the defender's hands. Exactly. And, and and the miracle was that that was incomplete. That's what I was cheering for on that play. I was like, yes, Quez Watkins, incomplete pass. Should have been a 
yes for a Quez Watkins catch. Should have been, but that's not how Philly works. And now, you if gotta get rid of, a, I think you got to get him, get him out. I mean, you got to get a new wide receiver three. I Whether mean, if Zach know, Pascal, Zach Pascal's an okay option, but man, I would draft someone else. Quez Watkins just is not it. No, he's awful. And it's you know. What's and he's not expected to be that good. He was no. Like a, you just was, need to make the plays when you get the ball thrown to you. Was he and undrafted he or a sixth round? I don't even care. I forget. Does it matter? No. no. And it's just one thing I'm so confused about is that your number one receiver, AJ Brown, does not have a diverse route tree. Man, when this dude gets the ball, it's just slant routes and go routes. Why are we not scheming up more stuff for this guy? I don't know. He's a physical specimen. I mean, the guy is just—he is. Built. I mean, he is just a... I, He's a large man. Yes. I can't say what I was going to say on air because it's Ooh. just... This is saying it built like a something-something, but you can't say it. So I'm not going to... I alluded to it, but you can't say it. Anyway, built I digress. Like a, I'm trying to figure that out. I'll tell you on break because we're yeah. going one soon. But Brown, man, he is just a big man. I mean, he's brawny. He's huge. Get this man the football. They call him Swole Batman. Yeah, get this man the football. I mean, of course, any receiver is going to look good running a slant route. Slant route's one of the easiest routes to scheme open for a wide receiver. Get this dude more involved. Yeah, that I mean, that's just what frustrates me. And I'm not even an Eagles fan. I, I despise a strong word, but I strongly dislike the Eagles. Get this man the football more. What are you paying him all these all this money? I don't know. To just run slant routes? I couldn't tell you. Any NFL receiver can do that. He By does the way, it well. Yeah, he does do it well. But if he's, if he's if he's a good route runner, get him more involved. I have no answers, Jack. I have it just makes zero, zero sense. Answers. That was the one part of Shane Steichen's game plan and calling that I was just so confused about. But considering how much they threw the football, it's that and it. when they roll Hurts out is what really does it for me. I I hate the the roll. Hurts on quarterback draws like in the middle of the field, outstanding. He does not work on the edge, and we need to stop pretending like he does. That's my thing as a, as an Eagles fan. That and uh, and AJ Brown's route diversity is uh, lacking. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm I just sorry. It's just when you have that good of a talent, you saw what this dude did in Tennessee. He was carving defenses up, and he did it this year too. Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact that you don't get your number one receiver more involved. It, it's just it's baffling. It's baffling, and I understand you got to spread the ball out. I do. Goddard had a pretty good night. Call him wannabe Kelsey, but <laughs> he was good. He was good. He was. What did you think of his catch on the sideline? I didn't think it was a catch at first, but looking at it more, it was a really close play, and I honestly did think he came down with it because I think that toe, that left you know, toe drag stayed down just as he got that right foot back down and repossessed it. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think it was a catch. I was like, wow, is he really going to call it a catch at first? But, uh, again, I, w- I was wrong. So I, uh, I was sitting right up at the TV. Um, so I could actually hear it. Everyone else was kind of screaming, not a catch, not a catch. I It didn't I, live, but... I watched the game with almost exclusively non-Eagles fans. Had some Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, uh, some people that just didn't like the Eagles, didn't watch football. I had everything in the room. Uh, but, um, you know, so they're all yelling, and they're yelling over Mike Pereira's explanation of why it was a catch. And they're like, how are they going catch i'm like well if you would listen yeah if you would listen you would know that's why i wasn't screaming because like at the end of the day i'm not that passionate did i want the chiefs to win of course but i'm not gonna yeah. be like oh i'm not that infested in seeing my rivals lose of course I, a, a a giants fan sitting on the couch was being the loud he was he was screaming and he goes i don't and i was like i'm trying to listen to mike Pereira. tell us why and he goes mike Pereira is so he's he's just been i can't say what, what he said <laughs> all night you know <laughs> 
He's been doing that for you. I, I, all I, I night. think I get what you're alluding yeah. to. Yeah. So. So. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so, and I was, and I think I said to him, I think, uh, I think I said, I'll, I'll trust Mike Pereira over you, buddy. Yeah, but, uh, obviously, because one was a former NFL referee, and you have this buffoon of a Giants buff- fan. <laughs> Well, they're one and the same, dude. The Venn diagram between buffoons and Giants fans is a circle. Hey, you can you can also clump Eagles fans into that. Hey, it's just like Eagles fans and being classless. You know, it gets clumped into the same thing. Mm. But we'll talk about that. I haven't heard much. Of, well, I actually also haven't opened Twitter because I've been so upset. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't heard about, like, Philly going crazy or anything over They this. flipped a car over before the game even started. I heard about that. Okay. But, like, you know, vibes were high. Vibes were high. <laughs> Let's just take this innocently parked car. And just flip it over it for no been, reason. Knowing Philly, it was probably like someone who did its car, right? They're like, this is my own car. Yeah, exactly. but I don't care. Bar, probably. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh. It's it's so just in, so interesting. Anything after the game, though? Um, I didn't see anything. Okay. I saw Jabari Smith, who's an NBA player. I believe he plays for the Rockets. I could be wrong. But uh, <laughs> they play the Sixers today. And last night, there were Eagles fans in the streets just yelling and screaming. He's like, yo, y'all need to go. I'm trying to sleep, man. I got a game tomorrow. I got a garden bead. I need my sleep, dude. <laughs> like, Can y'all get off the street and go? Go yeah. to bed? So that, I thought that was funny. But we do have to take our final break of hour number one. When we come back, we will be further talking about Super Bowl 57. We talked about a lot of the major stuff, but we'll get into the more deeper stuff, maybe some stuff not on the field. We'll, we'll talk about a lot of the interesting events that was Super Bowl 57. Coming right next on the flip side of this break here on Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, Kay or Kutztown. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody, here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown, Jack Hyme, Mitchell Smedley. We were talking about Super Bowl 57. We talked about a lot of the key plays, a lot of the key um, excuse me, headlines, and what led us to that 38-35 Chiefs win. Uh, Mitch, uh, we got to go back to right before the game. National mm. Anthem. Chris Stapleton did a great job of that, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the emotions were high. Uh, How did you feel? How did you feel? About the the tears streaming down Mr. Nick Sirianni's face. My goodness. Because now it's becoming a meme after the Eagles lost. Yeah. Um, look, I love the national anthem. I, oh, absolutely. I stand for it at home. Yes, sir. Right? I take off my Eagles hat. Right. You know, I do the whole thing. Uh, the whole shebang. And look, I love me some Tennessee whiskey. Right. For <laughs> Stapleton. I don't. I'm talking about the song. Yes. Obviously. And uh, clear the air here. <laughs> yeah. You know, just just in case. But. Um, I... Nick Sirianni always struck me as like this kind of fake weird emotions guy, right? <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't really coach. He more so just like therapizes. <laughs> therapizes. You know. But uh I didn't I didn't care for it. And of course, you know, my family group chat, my mom lights it up. Sirianni was crying for the national anthem green heart emoji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Get out funny. of my face. You know. She's oh. great, right? My mom's fantastic. Uh, you know, fantastic Eagles fan there, but uh, that was a bad take, in my opinion. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, <laughs> that's bad. Take. I don't know why I'm saying opinion like that either, but that's that's what's happening right now. But I did not care for Nick Sirianni crying. Um, uh, man, how about that Gatorade being purple? <laughs> oh, uh, dude, the TV was long off by that point. Oh, okay, TV yeah. was gone. So. Then Eagles, <laughs> I thought it was so funny, a video service on Twitter uh, of an Eagles fan just absolutely destroying his TV. I mean, that thing was done. After Butker made the field goal, oh. boom! <laughs> left 
left straight. He gave punch. it the courtesy of maybe he'll miss it. Yeah, <laughs> watches the field goal go right through the uprights, and then boom, winds up, hits him with just a straight punch right to the middle of the TV. That thing was down and out. Wow! Managed to grab it off the mantle and just say boom, gave it a little curb stomp for extra measure. I mean, that thing was donezo. That dude's got to go to a Best Buy and get a new TV. I mean, wow. That thing was in shambles. Honestly, I still think the Dak Prescott uh, camo jersey Cowboys fan was worse in the divisional round against the 49ers, but man, that Eagles fan destroyed his TV. That was so funny. <laughs> I got to find it. It's just seeing those reactions. I love it. But no matter the fan base, not just Eagles or Cowboys, just seeing people just after a big sports loss just destroy their TVs is so funny because you just <laughs> out yourself a couple hundred bucks yeah. by just saying, yeah. you know what, I'm going to take my anger out on my television compared to something that I could just throw around that wouldn't do any damage. Nah, nah, let, let's destroy the TV instead and have to go buy a new one. Yeah, I throw my hat. That's what I do. Best Buy employees seeing that, jumping up and down. Yeah! We got another one to destroy the TV because we get the people to come buy TVs. Maybe. Not just Best Buy. Wow, I didn't even All places you sell TVs. Maybe it's the the tech industry that writes the scripts for the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) We need to figure out how to maximize tech destruction. we We need to figure out a way to maximize profits, and this is it. My roommate chucked his phone and cracked it in the uh, Phillies Braves uh, divisional series. Getting irate fans to destroy televisions. Because <laughs> Freeze Hoskins made the error. <laughs> that was the end of his phone. Well, no, it still worked. It was just cracked. Uh, that was kind of a theme of the playoffs. Hoskins making errors. But he made up for him. So. Freeze Hoskins! Redemption again! Joe Davis. I wish yeah. Joe Davis was on the call last night. I didn't like Greg Olson. No, I'm not a I'm not a Kevin Burkhart fan. I thought Olson was good. I think I Burkhart was okay. I don't think he did anything. <laughs> well, aren't we just bad. opposites? He didn't do. He didn't. He wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible either. I just don't like Burkhart's like touchdown call, and it is caught. But it's like not even that gravelly. It's like he tries to, but it's not. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I think the Goddard catch call was not great. How did he call it? I don't even. Oh, remember. I'm trying to remember exactly. Because he had to wait for a signal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Actually, now that I think about that, it wasn't that bad, honestly. I think I kind of just blew it out of proportion in my analysis. But... I do know that both of them said that the uh, holding should not have been called. I did hear that. But Mike Pereira did. Mike Pereira did? Say that it should have no, been called. No, he said, he said, um, I thought he said he, he would have let them play. Yep, yeah, I think he might have said that, but he also did say that uh, you know a holding is a holding, and that was holding. Let them play. So let them play. Let them eat cake. Well, and play. Final notebook message of hour number one. Attention, KU community. Join the Women's Center staff for Feminist Fridays held every other Friday from two to three p.m. at the Boxwood House. Feminist Fridays consist of fun and interactive crafts, journaling, and a variety of activities with a feminist twist. Be sure to follow at Women's Center KU on Instagram for more information about Feminist Fridays. Once again, that's at Women's Center KU on Instagram for more information about Feminist Fridays. This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University KU. We are wrapping up hour number one in Aviators. We've talked all things Super Bowl to this point. Mitch. Yes, sir. I will give you a lot of credit. Thank you. For powering through today's show. Sure. There's a lot of things going on. Super Bowl is not the not the greatest of my concerns. Yes, exactly. And I got that, bigger fish to fry. He, he does, and <laughs> you know, going through a lot of things, man, to be able to just do this show and give it, I wouldn't say fully accurate and honest, but you've you've been pretty good. I will say that. Okay. Pretty rational. There's been uh, there was a five minute stretch this morning where I was like, I gotta tell Jack I can't do this, but 
But he, but he, it but he has. It was a fleeting thought. And the show must go on. Thank you. Thank and you. That's you, why we're IBS nominated. Yes, exactly. You know? uh, that's why I give you a round of applause. This is the dedication. And you get the dedication takes. to the show and that the dedication to all of you fine listeners out there. Yeah. We have a product to display. Yeah, exactly. We have a standard to uphold. So I'm going to dry my tears so. and I'm going to walk out there and give them the best damn radio show they've ever heard. Hey, hey, funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> You got the Australian why, accent. I don't know why. Hey, a funny guy. Hey, a funny guy. Oh, I got I a that. joke for you. I, I, I got a joke for you. Jalen Hurts. Oh, my goodness. I love that SpongeBob Steve. I don't, I don't know why that popped in my head, but it was just so funny. I don't know either. I'm looking through the I'm looking through the box score here, actually. I think it's kind of funny how Kadarius, Tony, and Skymore both had one reception, and it was for a touchdown. It was respectively for four and five yards. Skymore four, Tony five. Yeah, so... um. The Ravens fan, you know, the stop sign killer. Yeah. <laughs> he was there last night. Bam! And uh, <laughs> he was making fun of me when Sky Moore scored the touchdown because... Uh, you had him on your fantasy team? I drafted him in the 10th round of the fantasy I drafted draft. Him, I drafted him, too. And I was like, this guy's the next big thing. Uh, this dude, guy's the next I big was on thing. The, I, was, I was right there with you. Man. And it I was never also, happened? I was also on the Sky Moore hype train, man. I thought it was going to be Sky Moore breakout campaign. It just didn't happen. But he scored in the Super Bowl. But he scored against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was perfect karma. Oh man, that's bad. That's bad. Almost as bad as if McCaffrey would have led the Niners to a win last. Uh, last oh game. yeah, that would have been bad it too. Was somewhat of a personalized loss. It was. But uh, man, I'm just so upset. I'm just so upset. Yeah, rightfully so, man. Why do we lose like that? And honestly, it felt like you know the Eagles are going to be a very talented team. They're going to be in the playoffs consistently year after I don't know year about year. that. I think they will. I don't know about that. I think Do I think they're going to be the you know the the, you know, the cream of the crop and the uh, you know the standard of this league and the standard of the NFC? I'm not so sold on that, but they'll be a consistent playoff team. Will they get back to the big game? I can't say that for sure. There's no guarantee. But I tell you what, this is a very talented team. They're going to have to fill some gaps. This was the year, Jack. But again, yes, I agree. It felt like with this group and this players, they pressed all the right buttons. It felt like they had to get it done. Yeah. And they couldn't. Absolutely. I have no hope for and that the, hurts. Uh, the next few years. And I think that's why also this hurt. Like, this actually is one thing that makes it closer to the same level of hurt as the Phillies. Because I have more confidence in the Phillies. Oh, I agree. I was thinking about this this morning. The I Phillies the to make have a, a lot higher game. probability, I think, to get back to the World Series in the next, you know, several years than the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Can yes. the Eagles get back to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. They're a very could. talented team. But every year is different. It's never easy to get to a championship, no matter the sport. So could the Phillies get back to the World Series? Possibly. Could the yeah. Eagles get back to the to the uh, Super Bowl? Possibly. Again, there's we have no to see, guarantee. Uh, every year is different. There's going to be teams next year that emerge in both conferences that we say, okay, well, you know, they weren't here last year. You know, how does the playoff race take shape this year? But you know, that's oh, that's all looking forward to next year. Yeah, just putting a bow on this year with how much it hurts and how much you know. It just stings right now, and it's going to sting for a little bit still. Um, there will be football to be played next year, and they can absolutely be one of the more talented rosters in the league. Again, they're going to have some interesting decisions. Howie Rosen is going to have a busy offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, what does, does Kelsey retire? Does he call it? Does he come back? You know, Lane Johnson's going to have to get surgery. Yep. You know, how long? How much more quality ball out of him are you going to get? You know, you got Fletcher Cox near in the end. Brandon Graham's not getting any younger. Felt like a last dance for these guys. <clears throat> you know, Reddick. You know, what, d- does he replicate this outstanding year again? It's going to be tough. Who knows? 
who knows? And I mean, you know, the secondary is, is CJGJ gone? Um, Howie has said that that's his priority signing him. So, I we'll mean, see. there's a lot of decisions. Bradbury, bring him back. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. Lost me a it Super Bowl. You're done. You're so, over. Goodbye. Lots of decisions. To Goodbye, be James. One more thing we didn't talk about actually was, uh, man, Devonta Smith. You got thrown around in the first quarter. He took some big hits. He had some big plays. He did. He had some big plays, but also took some big hits. Yeah. Devontae Smith is a winner, man. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy what happens when you take players from winning college programs. It's really a crazy idea. It's really just a phenomenon. Yeah. How you take guys who were competing for national championships at the collegiate level and some of the best players on those teams and put them in the NFL together. And look, you have that same level of success. Crazy, right? Yeah, it's insane. Who would have thought? Who, yeah, who would have thunk it? More so not A.J. Brown because he played for Ole Miss, but, you know, Hurts and Smith played for Bama. Touchdown, Alabama! Touchdown, Alabama! Alabama wins! Alabama wins! I love that. Who is that guy? Oh, I think that's, oh my goodness, why am I blanking on his name? Brad Nessler. Oh, is it Alabama wins. Yeah, that's the SEC, uh, SEC guys. <laughs> I love that. On, on CBS. And then uh, you got Chris Fowler, just the playoffs for ESPN. Uh, he does a lot of, I believe, the Bama games because Bama feels like always in the national championship. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mitch, we are nearing the end of hour number one. Just a couple minutes left until we have to step aside for hourly break. Um, we're going to shift our focus from the Super Bowl and now in hour number two. We're probably going to talk about a little baseball as we always do. Uh, we have, our, of course, our college basketball discussion as we get ever so closer to March Madness. Uh, we'll find a little stuff to throw in between, as we always do. Sounds good. Uh, to make it work. But final thoughts on, you know, not just the Super Bowl, but the season. Obviously, the mood's not great right now. No. But uh, how, how are you feeling, would you say? Because, you know, there's some Eagle fans who are saying, oh, you know, I'm proud of the season. No, I'm tired of hearing that. Short. Tired what is what is your final thoughts on the 2022-23 season? For the, the, lowest, Eagles? the lowest people in my life are the ones who I haven't talked to in some of them years that are reaching out to me because they know I'm a big Eagles fan, and they go, at least they had a great season, man. Nope. You're the worst person. You are the <laughs> worst person to why, ever inhabit this planet. Why are you saying these things? Why are you now? talking to me now? We did not end on good terms. And why are you saying these things to me? Uh, yeah, like the night of the Super Bowl loss. And it goes back to the point that winning it and getting there are two very, oh, very different things. They're so different. And I say it to you with the Phillies all the time because you can cherish a great run and recognize that it really doesn't mean a whole lot by coming up short unless you get back there and win. Then you could say, well, that was a building block for this. I think the Phillies actually is somewhat different because they had, like, 11 or 12 playoff wins. The Eagles had two. Yeah. Like, I find— It's a much more difficult road, I, I think, in baseball. I find much more joy in what the uh, Phillies were able to accomplish. The Eagles, it felt like, okay, like, do it one more time. Like, come on. Uh, and how much talent they had, they should have been there. They should have. Yeah, they absolutely were the class of the NFC. And, uh, in my opinion, matched up better than the Chiefs. And it just didn't show. We talked day in and day out about how the Lions were going to control this game, and that's where the Eagles had the advantage. And it ended up not being the case. The opposite was true. No. Yeah. And, I mean, neither defensive line really did anything magnificent. Yeah. I mean, Hurts was what? Well, the the Chiefs defensive line stopped the running for the Eagles. It did. And that was surprising to me. But we already talked about that. Okay, Mitch. 15 seconds. We do have 15 seconds. Final outtake on the Eagles. I'm really sad. I'm really sad. 
I'm really sad today. Uh, we'll see you on the other side of this break in hour number two. Heavy hitters, Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. We will. 2022-2023 season for the Eagles. Mitchell says, ending it off with, I'm pretty sad. Yep. Can't really put it anyway, any, anywhere else uh, in terms of that wording. But we will be back for hour number two, as Mitchell alluded to, here on the radio voice of Kutztown University KR. Don't go anywhere. It's hour number two of heavy hitters and your starting lineup. Mitchell Smedley, talk show host. Kutztown University State, or Kutztown State University. <laughs> Kutztown University State. <laughs> Kutztown University. Mitchell Smedley, yeah. the Bucks County Kid. Yeah. Here at Kutztown, Pennsylvania, we doing, are Jack? live. I'm doing a lot better than you are, my friend. And uh, I think uh, it's starting to show. Yeah, it is. I think the cracks are really starting to open up right now. Hey, you know what? Made it through the first hour you strong. Made, yeah, you made it. Hour number one was strong. Hour number two, we'll see if Smedley deteriorates. Uh, it's but, like the uh, it's like the Eagles' offense just deteriorating in the second half, <laughs> or the Eagles' defense, which was deteriorating. It was bad in the first half too. Yeah, all night long, really. I mean, yeah. ouch! All night, get, get giving up plays left and right. Never mind. Okay, Brothers Osborne parody. You know that all night song? No, I didn't. Redneck Rush Hour Fridays at five. <laughs> Free promo Free for promo. Smedley. I can do that, man. I can do that. I'm on the station. You can. You are on the station. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I make the rules around here. I am really supposed to do that. Um, I want to open up with some negativity in the second hour. Yeah, I know. Shocking. Not really supposed to do that. But I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm really sick and tired of Patrick Mahomes. The legacy of Patrick Mahomes is it, being <laughs> carved in the making with his second Super Bowl. Is he going to catch Brady? I don't know. I'm I'm really, really annoyed by his politeness, and I, I just don't like it. Um, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is a great man, but when I have to watch him after just, you know, absolutely embarrassing my team and my city and myself, <laughs> taking away my manhood, <laughs> I don't want to hear... Yeah, you know, they're, they're a great squad over there. And it's an honor to play against him, Jalen Hurts. And, uh, you know, they got some great people over there, great coaches, great front office, and great, you know, cooks and, and, and great bus drivers, and <laughs> great airport staff and everything, you know. <laughs> great great nutrition team. Yeah, you know? great nutrition team. You know, great trash collectors and great sports talk show hosts on the radio stations. And uh, I just don't want to hear it. I really don't care about Patrick Mahomes' opinion on my team after because he knows they're not great. You know how you know how he knows that they're not that great because they just lost to him. Is that shade of Patrick? Mahomes? No, they lost. So obviously they're not great. <laughs> not in that particular moment. Not on that night. But I gotta hear his Muppet voice. It's an honor. I'm just so blessed. It's an honor, guys. And I'm uh, you know <laughs> really here. You know with uh, Travis Kelsey and uh, you know Coach Reed. I mean the, I mean the job that these guys were able to do. Yeah, gosh. You know, this is the dream he's, right he's, here. He has such an interesting voice. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. He, he just, he, they, they, please don't talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been coined by some as Patrick Kermit Mahomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so It does sound like Kermit. Uh, yes, it, it, a little bit. A little bit does. I'm Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. What an interesting laugh. Welcome back to Every Hitter's Case. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. 
we're getting a little off the rails here. We got we to get back on. Uh, Coach Reed, uh, Coach Andy Reed, <sighs> Andy Reed, <laughs> says he plans to return in 2023 after, you know, some brief rumors of his potential retirement. But he says, I'm back. Uh, yes, he will be back for 2023. Um, we saw a lot of interesting, you know, the, the Super Bowl always brings some celebrity appearances. And one thing we didn't talk about was the Who was the woman show. in the booth? Oh, in the box. Apparently there was some woman in the box that we didn't know who she was. Oh, oh. Do you know who I'm talking about? I I don't actually. Oh, no. Wait, okay, never mind. That's a random question no. that you don't have the answer to. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give you context on on a break. Sounds good. Also, uh, Jack told me what he was t- saying about AJ Brown earlier, and yes, he cannot say that on air. So yes, I can't. And it is true though. He's built like a brick. Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, um, Chad Henney will retire. As a champion. Uh-oh. Going out a winner. Mahomes is back up. What a Chad. a winner. What a Chad. Good for him. What a Chad move right there. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I, I I mentioned it as a joke earlier, but of course ESPN has, has the question, is Chiefs Patrick Mahomes on a Tom Brady-like trajectory? Oh, Lord. They're going to take this and run with this. <laughs> Not excited. Mahomes is going to be hated because... The media is just going to do what they do. Because I hate how he talks. That's why he's hated. Yeah, I guess he can nitpick It's that, the same but... thing every interview. I want some spice. Who was, um, was it Akeem Tlaib, right? And when you test me with a Cyrus No, that was, that was Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. After the Niners, Seahawks, NFC Championship. That's the result you're going to get. I like that. You test me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree. That's the result you're going to get. I like that. I like that passion. If if Mahomes would talk like that, I we cut out some words there. Yeah, we ought to cut out some words. <laughs> yeah, we had to dance around it a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, dance around so we can reference it. So. What about what are some other like you know on the field interview like good moments? You know what I mean? That aren't just the boring. Yeah, I'm so blessed to be here. I want to thank my family, my coaches, you know, my nieces, my nephews, <laughs> you know, my church. <laughs> And uh, my brother's in law's sister's dog. Yeah, I want to thank my father's brothers, cousins, uncles, mothers, former roommate. Little space balls right there. You know? Yes. Um, so, what does that make us? Absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, I, I'm just tired of the. I, I don't like his cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this guy who knew this guy who knew this guy who knew this guy's cousin. cousin. <laughs> That's a great reference. Uh, I'm just like. Correct me if I'm wrong, which I usually am. Believe me, women have made that clear to me. Uh, <laughs> Mitchell killing it with the ladies today. Oh, uh, my. Um, you know, just how my life is gone. Um, <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And he's getting his paper ready. But I am tired of athletes, and really any public figure being nice anymore. I don't like it. Mitchell Smedley right now. I would like some anger. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of people being nice. Is that so bad? I just want people to be as angry as I am. An interesting take. We'll get to it on the other side of that. This is a big talking point for me. We will. Attention KU community, as this message from the KU Notebook, it's on us. We'll be hosting a movie night social on Friday, February 17th at 5 p.m. in McFarland Student Union, room 116. The movie that will be shown is Hidden Figures. Join It's On Us for this fun movie social to meet the It's On Us club members and enjoy this relaxing evening. Free food will be provided. Please be sure to attend this fun event. 
This message of community interest brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KOR. Welcome back <laughs> to Heavy Hitters. Hour number two rolls on. We were talking all things Super Bowl in hour number one. Roll Tide. And uh, <laughs> I love that guy on TikTok. <laughs> Roll Tide. Roll Tide. <laughs> I am sick and tired of people acting nice. <laughs> Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> the signature ends the video with that. It's, it's my favorite. I've started doing that in my personal life. I'll, uh, I'll say something completely f- like weird. Whoa, did fly you hear that? Uh, <laughs> Go Birds. Like, Roll Tide. <laughs> did you hear that weird thing? Go Birds. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, I was saying, did you hear what I almost said into the microphone? Yes, Yeah. I did. So you're saying what we thought we thought we think we thought. <laughs> You oh. think? You think we thought? <laughs> you think? We stole a balloon! Okay. We're gonna lock us up. We lost the Super Bowl! Act normal. <laughs> so Alright, Jack was playing that uh, that clip about 30 times last week. I did. In the KUR studio. I was. But anyway, so like, I want to get your opinion. Like, are you, does it annoy you... When everyone, you see it with politicians, with sports, with like any select, like music artists, right? Anytime they're in front of a microphone, it's just the same stuff. Boring. Do I like a little flair? Of course. But again, if everyone brings that flair, that's just going to become the normal. No, it's not. Everyone's going to have their own flair. I don't know. Richard Sherman lives in our minds because of how he acted. Just like Trent Williams Maybe I'm, in the minds of yeah. Sean Walls because of how he acted. Maybe I'm just projecting because I was screaming a lot Maybe Maybe it's just that you're so mad after the Eagles lost. That I want everyone else to be mad. That you want everyone else to feel the feeling that you feel right now. Maybe that's my problem. No one feels the feelings I feel. <laughs> a lot of feel. Yeah. A lot of feel. I'm in my feels right now. A lot now. of touchy-feely stuff going so on. So I right. learned a phrase, uh, I think it was over the weekend, apparently uh, in your bag. Yeah. You, I never, never heard, heard that. that. No. Yeah, Mitchell Smedley. Am I weird? Bag right now. Like, am I weird for like someone? One of my the Giants fan roommates said that, and I was like, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" Like, I listen to the song when I'm in my bag. I was like, "I don't know what that means." You ever heard like in your feels? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Same thing, feels. right? So, potato, potato. No, I've I've now learned that. But in your bag, I thought that <laughs> meant you were like suffocating. You. Oh my. Breathe. Oh my. I'm in my bag. Find it hard to get oxygen. <laughs> God, <laughs> in my bag. Jeff. All right, we're moving on. What is this? Is this worse than the haircut conversation? No, no, that was funny, <laughs> but it feels like we've just gotten off the rails completely. So is my life. It's been a rough twelve hours. I, I think we just passed the twelve-hour anniversary. Twelve-hour <laughs> anniversary of the yellow demon. Every every Monday after the Super Bowl, twelve hours of the game, Eagle fans are going to remember that they lost the Super Bowl from year in and year out unless they get back and win it again. I'm so upset. All right, we're going to move on to a little MLB discussion. We do have a couple little tidbits to talk about. Uh, Christian Javier, Astros pitcher and no hitter that he threw against the Phillies in the World Series, gets extended, I believe, five years, sixty-four million for him to stay with the Strohs. Good contract for him, man. Um, pays him through twenty twenty-seven. $2 million signing bonus. He earned it. He did absolutely earn it. So Javier will be staying with the Astros for a little bit of time here. Uh, other stuff, we talked about the rule stuff on last week, so we need to go down that rabbit hole again. Derek Jeter will join Fox Sports in the studio his MLB season. Derek so Jeter. Interesting to see how him and A-Rod will. Becomes reality. 
Yeah, Michael K. Uh, Derek Jeter will See join ya. A-Rod. Join A-Rod. <laughs> and those two have had some fun uh, over the course of their playing careers and their relationship. Don't really know the whole ins and outs of that, but I'm not. I'm sure uh, I saw that it's not great. Uh, they Is were, it? They, all, they started really good friends. They came into the league kind of around the same time. They were both upcoming shortstops. Jeter with the Yankees. You know, A-Rod with the Rangers. Then A-O, he started with the Mariners, then went to the Rangers. No. No, 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 no. Mariners, then Rangers, yes. Then free agency went to the Yankees. Came third baseman with the Yankees. That's right. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, and then really after, you know, they were good friends. And then they came to New York. Things were going well. And then they didn't go so well. And a lot of stuff happened. A lot of specifics. I could go. What did happen? Deep dive. Pretty I much. I actually don't even know the story. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, is that they both kind of cheated no well no. a-rod cheated but yes. Jeter didn't um and i think a-rod kind of just wanted like the spotlight too but Jeter was getting it just because he was more like the homegrown yankee guy i could be way wrong with this i'm trying to remember it's been a while since i've looked into this stuff wasn't Jeter the guy that told bush not to bounce it i think so maybe After 9-11 remember yeah i think so yeah i think you're right about that i think that was Jeter. so yeah what a moment by the way yankee like that was one of the greatest first pitches in MLB history and one of the greatest moments ever. Yeah. yeah. So. You know what I watched? Uh, our two fan bases, actually. The uh, Phillies-Mets game. Yeah. When where, uh, uh, there was announced Osama bin, Osama bin Laden. Yeah, when we got Osama Bin Laden. Yeah, that was at CBP. Yeah, at Citizens Bank Park. That Sunday was Sunday Night, Night Baseball. Baseball. Yep, it was the ninth inning. Is there anything? Uh, Daniel eighth, eighth, eighth inning. inning. I believe Daniel Murphy was at the plate for the Mets and when, at the time of that being announced. Tie game, 1-1. One one. Mets yep. ended up winning 2-1. to one, Oh, yeah. No one cared. No one cares. Mets take the dub, baby. Woo! Yeah, but our Phillies fans, you know, they, the whole stadium lit up with USA chants. And I love the images of the players like, what is going on? Yeah, wh- <laughs> what is happening? Act normal. <laughs> Imagine when the players start doing that. Oh, my. Imagine a stadium full of people. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so funny. That, that was... would be that cue Nick Castellanos. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, actually a trade was struck a couple days ago between the A's and the Marlins. It's I saw that. Under the radar. Yeah. Two former top prospects, JJ Blade, who was a top, I believe, twenty prospect at one point, hasn't really panned out. And AJ Puck, who was a lot of praise for the A's, they get swapped one for one. Oh wait, uh, with Puck Blade? going to the Marlins and Blade going to the Athletics. He was, uh, I think, he was born and raised uh, around Philly. Yeah, he was. I think he was a PA guy. <clears throat> so he'll be going out uh, to the Bay Area. But a Blade sounds like something totally. I would get at a spa. Uh, well, there's a Bidet, which is in oh, the fancy oh, yeah, okay. So uh, I, I, take I understand. One, I understand where you're getting that correlation from. One Blade today. <laughs> Okay. You know. Interesting. I'm working on my French. Walk into a spa and say that. I don't know what you're going to get, but... Bonjour. Uh, uno blade. Uno. <laughs> He's got a Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> I needed a foreign number. Oh. Oh, one. One blade. I believe it would actually be un. Un? You it's could say German, uno. I thought. Well, no, un is like... So if you're saying like... Eh, I'm, I, I took high school Spanish classes, so I'm not a Spanish expert by any means, but I'm um, like... I think un is like the masculine pronoun because they only say uno for one. So it'd be like un blade. No, I just want one. I don't want a lot of bladeos. Like, you could say una persona, which would be one person. Mm-hmm. 
Uno Blade. And I believe it'd be Un Persona. Same one person. I believe I could be wrong. A person. But that's just an example. Yes. I think Un is A and Uno is one. Yeah. Uno. The Chiefs Uno. I, we're moving on. I don't know. I'm not a Spanish expert. Like I'm I not a Spanish extraordinario. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, there's really not a lot to talk about about baseball right now. There's really not. Um, I am wearing, Darvish got extended, actually. I am wearing a Phillies hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, big uh, contract from so, the, uh, the, Pod- the Padres. <laughs> slam Diego. That's actually a really good impression, by the way. We're going to slam Diego. Arena. Why is it Slam Diego? What a card by Fernando! Superhuman! Superhuman! <laughs> oh my goodness. I love how he says, the Padres! Yeah. I'm the Padres! <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite announcers. Oh my. Uh, you know who, I, I don't even know if I can talk about this on air, but like, you know. <laughs> it, so we're just gonna do it. <laughs> then let's refrain. You know who was one of my favorite we announcers? We go to break in 10 seconds, so who? One of my favorites before, obviously, his incident was Tom Brenneman. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's not. I mean, he did what he did, and it was not right. Oh my! Who is Boston Scott? Oh my. That's against the Giants? Yeah, I know. Remember that game? I do. Yeah. But uh, actually, there is some minor news. Keith Hernandez back with a Mets broadcast booth so he can Boo! roast the Phillies more, which I love. Yeah, the Phillies have just never been up to it defensively. <laughs> and the Philadelphia Phillies are going to the World Series. Not because of their defense. I mean, it was a defensive play. Nick Castellanos caught oh, the ball. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to break. First one of our number two. When we come back, we'll be moving on to... A topic. Well, we'll find something to talk about on this Monday afternoon here in mid-February. Mitch <laughs> publicly announced he's got to go refill his water bottle. So he'll be doing that during break. Just I'll be chilling. When we come back, more sports, to- more sports talk Excuse me, coming up next here on Heavy Hitters. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. And Jack, we may get through this entire show not duplicating our mistake of both going, and welcome <laughs> We might. We have one more break to do it, so yeah. we got to last. <laughs> but uh, we've yeah, been pretty clear with the communication today, though, and who's leading back in and stuff. Well, like that's that, rare so. for me. <laughs> Mitchell communicating clearly. <laughs> wow, <laughs> my therapist would disagree. <laughs> it's a crazy time. Oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah. I felt that. Yeah, that was you know clear as day. It was kind obvious. Of. Obvious. So unlike that holding penalty. Um one thing I will say, Jack, I may have not gotten the channel. Um all I had on was the Fox Sports app yesterday, but I didn't I wasn't able to catch the Cowboys game yesterday. Yeah, I know. It was funny. I don't know if they played, did the game get canceled or Yeah, I know. it was weird, right? I was it's expecting usually, it's usually around this time, you know, like right before conference championship week that cowboy games just stop getting televised. So I don't know if it's It's really weird with the T V deals, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you would think, uh, you know, America's team would have a big market that you would want to televise. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm just But the fact that they just seemingly disappear off air right around this, you know, late January period every year, it's it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's 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 reminiscent uh, of um, early November when I didn't see the Braves. And I was trying <laughs> to find them. I was trying. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to do the chop, you know. Oh! Uh, maybe not today. I uh, the chop, man. <laughs> not today. Oh! Florida State, though. Not Kansas City. Florida State does its best. Come on. Let's do it. 
Um, Let's be real here. I gotta look into that. I gotta we're a champ, baby. Research that uh, that claim of yours that Florida State does it best. Oh, we do. I mean, come on. Whew. How many uh, man? Like the marching Chiefs get the stadium rocking, man. Woo! Can you Nothing imagine like the uh, the depressed planes coming into Philly today from Arizona? <laughs> All the fans, you know, war chant blasting in the airport. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Oh man. I would not want to be in Philadelphia for the next I, couple days. I am unhappy. No. I just I just really cannot wait for those spring nights at the ballpark. Spring training, man. We're getting there. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like when, you know, it's the regular season. Oh, no, yeah, obviously. Right? But we got to get to spring training first. Yeah. So. The thing that's fun about April baseball, right? Because I went and they lost to the Brewers, right? And it's I was cold. treated to quite a show by Kyle Schwarber. But it's cold. No, it's not that cold. The, the good thing about it is... um. Like, you don't have to stress too much. Like, if you lose a game in April, it may end up losing you your season, but you don't know that yet. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, there's still so much to be, to be known. Yeah, you have no idea. You can lose it, not lose any sleep, unless it's 7 nothing to the Mets, and then they come back and win. <laughs> and the Mets win it! 7-1. It was 7 nothing in that game. Yeah, and then it was 7-1. And, and then, then it was 7-3. And then it was 7-5. And then it was 7-6. No, 7-7. Seven, seven. Did we they go it. right to it? Yep, 7-5. A two-run double. Uh, JD I thought Davis it was like one at a time. That Nimmo singled in. Uh, uh, Jankowski scored from second. Yeah, yeah. Right. Former Philly. Travis Jankowski slides we call him, tied at seven. As we call him in uh, in my mom's uh, extended family, we call him the harpoon. Janko. <laughs> call him the harpoon because he was the Marlin killer. So, and then you got Starley Marte and then off the wall, and it's off the base. Nemo scores, and the Mets lead it. Oh. Seven in the ninth. I think the funny part about that game was the inning before the Philly Fanatic just absolutely crushes like a black like Mets batting helmet. <laughs> it's like a plastic one. <laughs> and John Crook says, huh, no, no, let's go Mets chance tonight. <laughs> Great, great with that. Oh, great without that happening. Ugh. And then the Mets came back. Oh man, last year was, was fun so playing sad. the Phillies. It was really a, was. Fly ball, left, left field. field. Oh no! Can't wait to hear more of that. <laughs> That's really not can't. gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, dude. This time you're just gonna swap out Corey Canable for another uh, CK pitcher, Craig Kimbrell, or Gregory Soto. Yeah, Gregory Soto. Gregory GS. Go suck it, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. I kind of got scared. <laughs> Most people would. A little part of me was like, oh, no. Yeah. Wait, where is he going to go with this? The Braves are GS. Georgia bleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bleep. 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 <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> I thought it was just like such a passive bleep. It was like, bloop. <laughs> well, you know. Don't want to draw too much attention to myself in case I actually uh, yeah. like, slip up or something. Whoa. Know? Oh, no, but um, in all seriousness, though, very excited for spring training. I I just can't wait for opening day. It's going to be a magical time. I see JV and Mets blue and orange, man. Oh, Justin Verlander. Who calls him JV? Fine, have your junior varsity. I don't care. (laughs) No, 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 that's the New York Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Junior varsity. I can't believe you call him JV. Yeah. No, I don't really The Mets are going to look like a JV squad this year. Okay. Okay, let's look carrot away. Over under Mets ninety wins. Over under Mets ninety wins? Yeah. Ooh. Give me the over. Damn you. Give me the over. I was ready for you to say under. I would shake you right now. Ninety two. Ninety six. Mm. 
Nope. 96 in a division win. The Mets are not winning this division Boom. with 96 wins. That's outrageous. Yes, they are. No, no, no. Because look, look. Phillies won't get 90. Listen, listen. The division winner last year had how many? 101, 102? 103. 103. Okay. Less um, division games, though. Right. That's what I'm saying. Less feasting on the Marlins this is and the a, Nationals. Right. But less uh, wins, you know, less less, guaranteed, or less uh, guaranteed losses for uh, for the three teams at the top. How? Because they were playing each other 19 times. The Phillies and Braves had a combined 19 losses between them. The Phillies and Mets had a combined 19 losses between them. The Braves and Mets had a combined 19 losses between them. I think uh, this is a strong division, and played out over the course of a season, they're going to rack up more wins than they would have with the more uh, divisional games. You could also argue that outside of division games, by playing more quality teams across the league, you can get more... uh that's what I'm saying. I think these three teams are some of the most quality in the league. I don't think there's much better than them. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I think you're going to see higher win totals in the uh, but, NL East. You know, going on multiple West Coast trips a year now is going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be odd. It'll, oh, man, we'll get more of those, like, you know, 10-10 games. Yeah, dude, you're telling me. The Mets play the Dodgers and the Giants in the first three weeks of the season on the oh, road. Oh, during the semester. Dude, like, down the stretch this semester. That's brutal. Mid-April, man. That's brutal. We got we got April seventeenth through the twenty third. Mets play one, two, three, four games at a nine forty five or later start time. I'm gonna be up at six fifteen on a Wednesday. That's great. I can't even stay up and watch the game. I can watch some of it, but I'll tell you what happens. I'll <laughs> yeah. tell you what happens. Mets W's, baby. Nah. Spam W. There's no W in Mets. No W in Phillies either. Obviously. <laughs> this game has been in turned fact, in upside fact, down. Now that I think about it, there's not a W in, I don't think, any team. White Sox. That's it. <laughs> but they don't take a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Brewers. Yeah. But I'm, just, I'm saying there's W's. Yeah, but how I was going to say Yankees. I was like, that's a Y. Um,. Not relevant. Let's see. Rays, Yankees, Red Sox. I'm, I'm not saying these have Ws. Yeah. I'm just listing them. All these have the W? Orioles. I wonder where they are. Um, no one in the East. Blue Jays. Yeah, no. No one in the AL Has East. a W sound blue. No one in the NL East. Uh, no one in the NL East. NL, NL Central, Central. Brewers. Brewers. Reds. Pirates. No. Pirates. Um, <laughs> Mariners. <laughs> um... Angels, Rangers, Astros. What's the uh, oh Mariners. the Giants? Yeah, no, they, that that's White Sox and Brewers have to be the only teams. I'll find another, no, but you, I just you said there were none, and I gave you two. Twins. You're picking all these random twins. Black. What? They're the a team. Teams. Yeah, they're black. Just because they have a W doesn't make them anything but, good. I'm just you, you said no other. What? Yep. <laughs> I am so confused. <laughs> Okay, they have a W in the name. And I'm just saying. What's the point? When's the last time the teams won anything? Never. Last time the White Sox won the World Series, 05, and the Brewers and Twins have never won. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Two of the MLB franchises to never win a World Series. Sad. Twins and Brewers. Sad. Like when did said, they uh when did they come into the league? A lot of W's. The Phillies are the most losing team in all of American sports. They have the most losses, I think, out of any team. Yeah, well, it also helps that they've been around forever. Yeah, but... Like, the Philadelphia Athletics get mushed in with that, and they've been around since, like, the 1910s. Yeah. So, it doesn't help. The 19-teens, Jack. 
now the 1910s. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. You like don't say 19. I don't like the 19. World War II didn't start in 1910. I don't like the 19 teens. That just sounds strange. The 19 squared. <laughs> no, <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop. I've had enough of this. <laughs> I am so confused. Yeah, one more thing, though, MLB tidbit-wise. David Peralta signs a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, he's going out to, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, Chavez Ravine. That's it. Chavez Ravine? Yes, that's where their stadium is in. Oh, oh, oh. I was going to say, what is that? Like, it's in L.A., but, like, they call it, like, Chavez Ravine. Oh, so You can look it up. I've heard it many times. I yeah. know I'm not wrong about that. Which this. one's the one with the Cove? San Francisco? Yep, McCovey Cove. San Francisco. Named after a longtime giant first baseman and Hall of Famer, I believe, Willie McCovey. Because he would hit a bunch of balls there. Yes. I believe he's Hall of Famer. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. I remember uh, Bryce Harper cranked a couple into there. Into the cove. They got, like, canoers and stuff. Yes. It's nifty. McCovey was Hall of Famer, by the way. McCovey. So. That's a good name. I like that name. Yeah. McCovey Cove. I love how each stadium kind of has, like, their own unique thing. What's the Phillies? <sighs> the Bell. Yeah, the bell. Yeah, there you go. Bell, like the bell. They have that ivy wall in center, like the brick wall with a oh, little yeah. bit of ivy vines. Kind yeah, of a little bit. It. I mean, the Wrigley's Wrigley, Wrigley Field is definitely Wrigley Field. does it better. Yeah, they have the full ivy across the whole outfield wall. That old, old time scoreboard. Yeah, Wrigley's just the, nice, just the history man. of Wrigley Field. Fenway Park's got the pesky pole uh, down the right field line, and the Green Monster. The green Monster too. You can. So the pesky pole. That's just because it's it's in shorter, right? I guess it's like I don't really know why who pesky is. But oh, oh wait, no, no. I mean, you're saying the poor is pesky. That's so. That's what I always thought. But I think actually, actually, no. I think it's the left field pole in Fenway Park because we took a tour of that stadium. I don't know why. My life is kind of a fever dream at some points. But um, I went to a Red Sox game. I believe I may have just dreamt this. But we <laughs> went to a Red Sox game, and uh, this is years ago. And they told us that there was some like big moment in like a playoff game or like the world. I don't I don't really know what was going on. But like he hit it down the line and I thought it was left field. Maybe it was right field, and this is where it comes from. We'll look it up. Maybe while I'm talking, look up why it's called the pesky pesky pole. But so he hit the ball and it looked like it was going foul, and it would have been like a game winning home run if it stayed fair. And he like, uh, uh, I, no one can see my motioning. I'm like using my arm to like try and pull the ball back, and it ended up curving and hitting the pole, and then uh, the Red Sox won, I think. I think. That sounds good in my mind, so I'm going to go with that, and that's why it's called Pesky Pole. Pesky Pole is named after one of the most iconic figures and beloved figures in Red Sox history, Johnny Pesky. Johnny Pesky. So Interesting. Did he hit a home run off it? Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to assume so. Let's see. What other interesting ballpark traditions are there? Like unique things about ballparks. What does City Field have? City Field's pretty boring. Um, we're making upgrades. We're gonna like this new like fancy bar in right center field that Steve Cohen's putting in. We we're making scoreboard renovations. Oh, the Phillies are making scoreboard renovations. You see, they got yeah. Like, they took down the, the whole scaffolding. Left field. Yeah, the left field scoreboard there. It's gonna be bigger. It's gone, dude. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. Yeah, I went there in a game in July. I mean, me and my buddies went there. Uh, They're putting in a new one. Like yeah, it's not just are. gone. <laughs> yeah, gone and never replaced. <laughs> uh, how are we gonna look at the stats and like the lineups and stuff? <laughs> I don't know. We'll just portray it. On how are we gonna see replays? We're gonna get a projector and just show it into the outfield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna see a projector just shining into the Philly skyline at the night at night, seeing the replay of a play. Yeah. Huh, this is an interesting setup. <laughs> Couldn't carve up anything more. You know, better than this. Couldn't League write standards. a better script. Yeah, couldn't write a the better script. The amount of times script. I had to hear that last night, by the way. Yeah. I hate that. But um, 
Do you think any any of sports is scripted? No, dude. It's. I was trying to talk about this. I don't think so. I was trying to talk about this with someone far less intelligent than me. And I say that because I'm always right. Because I am a superior. Right. I'm just the, the premier male performance. <laughs> um, Peak male performance, <laughs> Mitchell Smedley. Yes. Um, academic weapon, um, Mitchell Smedley. But I was saying, like, do you know the amount of people that would have to be in on that for it to be scripted on any large scale? Would be impossible. Yeah, You're it's so tough. Every franchise, every ref, every assistant, every coach, every player. To get on board with losing. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Well, they're paying them off. It's like, yeah, it's some I don't care how much money point, you're paying me. The guys are going to have enough money playing just to play, right? Like, they, they want to win. This is their job, right? And it's like, I, I, I don't think it's scripted, personally. No. I think it's possible, possible that a few refs are told to make a few certain Yeah, calls. there's certainly some things that are shady. Yes. Like the 0-2 Western Conference Finals with the Lakers and the Kings. Yeah. Like, the Lakers, especially that Game 6. Like, the Lakers were supposed to be in the Finals because the league wanted them there because the Kings weren't going to get them as much publicity as Kobe and Shaq. Like, yes. That's a fact. Like, even the referee crew, like, I believe in that game, I don't know if they admitted to it, but, like, there is heavy belief that that game was staged so that way the Lakers could win and get to the Finals. Mm-hmm. Things have happened like that. I in think sports the NBA history. is the most shady. Oh it. yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think it would go NBA, and then uh, NFL, MLB, MLB, and least. then NHL. Really? I, I've never heard a scandal like that in the NHL. Have you? Yeah. I've never heard an issue with the uh, officiating in the NHL. Canadians don't have time for that, Jack. I guess so. All right. Um, that was an interesting discussion. Oh, yes. Oh, the Mets traditions, by the way. Well, we have the Shea Bridge out in right center field, and we have the, uh, I believe it's called the Coca-Cola Corner now. went back and forth. It was the Pepsi Porch Coca-Cola Corner, Coca-Cola Corner, but now I believe it's called the, the, the Coca-Cola Corner. Man, that is not easy to get off the tongue consistently. So, But, uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh, that's all I got. Kind of run out of things for MLB stuff. Yeah, I but, think that's uh, all. That's we're going also on nearing our next break. Uh, we might take it a little early, actually. Uh, we will. We are going to step aside now. Uh, usually, a minute before we do. But when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with our usual college basketball discussion. As huge bubble games happen over the course of the weekend, saw a big the Purdue teams. game. Yeah, Purdue fell uh, to Northwestern. We'll talk about all that and more about the weekend slate of games and this week coming up here on Heavy Hitters on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR. And for one final time today, welcome back into Heavy Hitters here on the Radio Voice of Kutztown University. K, you are Kutztown. Jack, I'm Mitchell Smedley. Woo! We are wrapping up today's show. We will be back on Wednesday at the same time as you have been accustomed to expect. Uh, the new time change for the semester being bright and early from 9 to 11 a.m. here on the East Coast, as Mitchell Smedley always likes to reference. But Mitch, it was a great show so far. We talked about Super Bowl. I don't went know about down. A great show. Great. Yeah, great to stretch, but... Uh, we talked about the Super Bowl and lengthy discussion there. Went down a rabbit hole and what was that bizarre uh, second hour to this point. But we're going to get it back on the rails to wrap it up uh, with a college basketball discussion. A lot of interesting stuff happened over the weekend. Uh, teams on the bubble line uh, took some big wins. Some took some losses as it goes. Uh, but we're going to talk about all that. That here is how sports right usually now. take place. Yes, one team wins, one team loses, but not th- those teams didn't really play each other, which is kind of why I phrased mm. the way I did. So, mm. got you. Yes. Understood. Understood. Well, uh, w- I want to talk about the bubble line here because this is the time of year where it always switches, and each game means more a lot for these teams uh, comparatively 
you know, to the rest of the team who's locked in. I mean, you still want to win as many games as possible. You don't want to go in on a cold stretch in the March Madness. But for these teams who are in the last four by range, last four in, first four out, and even the next four out, because if they, you know, get hot, they can move up with some teams losing, get some help in front of them. But, you know, this is the kind of area where a lot of people have their eyes on down the stretch. You know, what team's going to sneak in? Can a team go on a run? This and that, yada, yada, yada. And right now, per Joe Lenardi from ESPN, his March Madness Bracketology, uh, per February 10th, so on Friday was his last time updated, last rim was New Mexico, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. Over the weekend, Kentucky fell against Georgia on the road. North Carolina took a 20-point win at home against Clemson, which is big. That'll boost them up. New Mexico on Friday fell on the road heftily to Air Force. Just shows how deep the Mountain West is. Even Air Force is a—they're a pretty average team out there this year, but they're young, they're scrappy, they're up and coming. Uh, they could be good in the next couple years, but they get a big dominant win by double digits at home over the Lobos. Uh, and Texas A&M got a win on the road against LSU. So those four teams—they split. Sorry, gonna, the Lobos. Yes, the Lobos. <laughs> Play for who? New Mexico. Oh, that man. is their—that's their mascot. What is a Lobo? I believe it is a Mexican breed of wolf. Mm. Lobo is a wolf. I just don't know where it is originated from. I could be wrong about that. That's a funny name. But yeah, in the Lehigh Valley Zoo, which is, you know, kind of where I grow or I was growing up in, and it's like kind of like less than 10 minutes from my house. Uh, I believe they do have a, a, a Lobo there. Oh, wow. The zoo, not recently, but I think I went once over the summer. I don't know. Nice. But, uh, let's look it up. Lobo. What is a Lobo? And while we're waiting for Jack, um, I really don't have anything to say, so I hope he finds it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything prepared. What can I say? Yeah, it is a Mexican wolf, a subspecies Mexican of a wolf. mammal. Mexican wolf, also known as a lobo, is a subspecies of gray wolf native to the southeastern Arizona and southern New Mexico in the United States and northern Mexico. I was also previously ranged in western Texas. So gotcha. It's, a small, it's the smallest of North America's gray wolves. So. Great wolves. We got some great wolves here. Yeah. There it is. Anyway, All right, there it is. Uh, back so. to the sports. So the Lobos. So sports, huh? Yeah. I'll tell you what. You see that game the other night? All right. Anything you want to know? <laughs> anything uh, I want to know? In terms of this point, is we do stand just 27 yeah. days away from Selection Sunday, where the field of 68 will be determined, uh, and then we get to watch March Madness on our week of spring break. So you told me the uh, you know the, the last four in split. So tell me how that kind of shakes things up for uh, that last four bracket. Well, for Kentucky, I mean, it's not a great loss to go on the road and lose against Georgia. Georgia's an up-and-coming team, but they're 5-7 and seven in the SEC. They are 5 from the bottom. Uh, they're tied with Mississippi State, but, I mean, the bottom feeders are really bad. Like, LSU, Ole Miss, and South Carolina are dreadful. So it's not like losing to one of them. But mm-hmm. Kentucky already did. They, they lost at home to South Carolina. Ooh. So it's not been great. Kentucky's resume really isn't all that good. I mean, they have a couple of big wins. They had a road win against Tennessee. But man, I mean, the, like if these losses keep piling up, they got to go to Mississippi State this upcoming week, and then Saturday they'll get a rematch with uh, the Saturday the 18th. They'll have a rematch with Tennessee on their home floor. If they can sweep the Vols, that would be huge for them. But the opportunities to get big time wins—it's running out for for Kentucky to boost this resume. If they keep losing against these teams that are, you know, non-tournament teams. It's really going to hurt them and keep one of the blue bloods of college basketball out of the tournament. So they they need to keep getting wins. They need to take care of business against the teams they should beat. On uh, another win against Tennessee would do nicely for them uh, to try to help solidify their spot. Uh, but again, this is these next couple weeks are going to make or break Kentucky's resume, and gotcha. might make the SEC tournament not matter as much. So, how about the uh, the, the other three? 
New Mexico, Mountain West is crazy this year. They, they're going to have opportunities to keep playing their way up. It's just how good you know the top five, even maybe even consider six in that conference are. Uh, but the Lobos, man, it's not a good loss to go in and then lose to Air Force. You kind of needed that game for a team that's on the fringe to begin with. And the Mountain West being a mid-major, you're not going to get as much leeway to hiccup as, say, what a Kentucky, considering yeah. their you know their history and this and that and yada, yada, yada. I'm playing in a Power 6 conference in the SEC. So you need to be taking care of business against the teams you should beat. And, you know, not doing that is going to hurt you more as a mid-major. Like I said, I'm trying to find uh, New Mexico's upcoming schedule here as I have to scroll through all the way back because ESPN makes my life so fun. So fun. Thanks, ESPN. Really appreciate it here. There we go. Found New Mexico at long last. Uh, They will be playing... They have a big home game, a big road game against Boise State. They play San Diego State at home. Those are a couple opportunities to keep boosting their resume. Uh, you get a couple wins there. Uh, Boise State right now will last four by. So a win there would be huge for them. Maybe a swap spots. Uh, they host San Diego State, a chance to be the top 25 opponent. And the you know standard of excellence in the Mountain West being the Aztecs. So New Mexico has some opportunities. They're not down and out yet. They've dropped three in a row. It's not looking great. Uh, but there's opportunities to rebound, and they do have a couple of uh, games where they can, you know, get themselves right. They host Wyoming, who's at the bottom of the conference, uh, you know, this upcoming Tuesday, being tomorrow. Uh, and then Friday, they go to San Jose State. That's a winnable game uh, for this Lobos team. So they can get, you know, a couple positive wins before having to go to Boise State and hosting San Diego State uh, down the stretch of the season here in February. So there are opportunities. New Mexico, by no means, out of the race. North Carolina, that home win against Clemson's huge. Uh, they dominate. Clemson, who's one of the most surprised teams this year, especially in the ACC, you know, for the heels, uh, that's going to do a lot for them to keep boosting them up. I think that might push them into uh, first four buy range, or last four buy range right now. They will host Miami tonight. That's another big one. They can get a win against the 19th ranked Canes at home. Mm. Uh, they have a lot of big games through the heels down the stretch of the season. They've played three top 25 teams, home to, home to Miami, like I mentioned tonight. Sunday, they go at their rivals, NC State, uh, and then they host Virginia. Uh, Saturday the 25th, uh, you know, down the stretch in February, and then they'll host Duke to end the season. So there's opportunities to be had with the North Carolina team to not only get themselves off this last four in range, but completely solidify their, their their tournament state, and they get a couple more big wins against these ranked opponents down the stretch. And they have a lot of them at home, which is huge. They have Miami and Virginia both at home. Going to be very beneficial for them as long as they take care of business against the teams they should beat, like Notre Dame, Florida State, uh and that's kind of really the only gimme games they have. It's a tough stretch, but uh, you know, maybe go two and one against those three teams, being Duke. Uh, you know, four, four teams correction. Maybe go two and two. You split that stretch. UNC should be fine. Okay. And um, then A and M. They beat LSU. Uh, real quick was the last four, like you mentioned. I'm not going to take too much time on Texas A and M, uh, but for their sake, uh, they are going to move up probably past Kentucky with that win. Probably past New Mexico as well. I think they'll still be on the last four end, but they'll be more towards the top of that uh, as Buzz Williams' team. So gotcha. for, for for AM, I think they're in a better position than Kentucky right now. They just got to keep winning. They don't, they don't really have leeway to hiccup, I would say. Maybe you allowed one, but again, at this juncture of the season, being on the last four end, you don't really have a lot of you know room for error here. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so you're talking about a... You know, a few moves, some up to the first. Uh, That's just what I project. Nothing's out yet. Those are just by. my projections, by the way. Yeah, I just so want to state that. your projections and everything. So um, with these teams moving up to those those buys uh, and some teams moving out of the last four in or first 
or yeah, last four in. Um, who do you think could uh, kind of who who what other teams could be affected moving down from the buys to the last four in or moving up from the uh, first four out? Um, who do you think could move up? All right, down. so up and down right now, USC is the last four by projected from Lenardi, and they lost at Oregon State. It was a bad loss for the Trojans. Oregon State's bottom three in the Pac-12. Going on the road makes it a little bit less bad, but it's still not a good loss to take. They're going to probably get passed up by Oklahoma State, who's been surging recently in the Big 12. I believe Oklahoma State just got a big win at home this weekend against Iowa State. Let me check. Um, confirming. People confirm. And why is it? I hate the ESPN app. Just takes me off sometimes. <laughs> it takes me all the way back to the beginning of the season to find what I don't want to find. That's want, crazy. Yeah, it's like I, I don't use the ESPN app, so I so would know a road win against Iowa State. So yeah, that's even better for Oklahoma State. They go on mm-hmm. the road and beat the eleventh ranked Cyclones. Like that's gonna boost them. They might even get out of the last four by range with that win. Gotcha. That's a, that's a quad one road win for for a Cowboy team who is now seven and five in the Big Twelve. They're tied with Iowa State and Kansas State, who are tournament locks. Uh, so that's going to do leaps and bounds for Oklahoma State as long as they nice. keep taking care of business down the stretch. Huge win for Mike Boyne and the Cowboys. They will host Kansas tomorrow night. Uh, if they can get a win there, uh, pretty much count on the Cowboys being a lock to get in the NCAA tournament, I would say. Cool. I mean, again, anything's possible. It's, it's a daunting stretch of February for Oklahoma State. No night's easy uh, in the Big 12. They got Kansas at TCU, at West Virginia, home to Kansas State, and home to Baylor. I mean, those are all very, very quality teams and all in the tournament field. Chances to uh, prove yourself, As they right now. Chances to prove yourself even further, yes. K-U-R absolutely. Notebook. Mr. Smedley. But we do have our last KUR Notebook message of the day. Attention KU community. Bears at night will be holding a Jackbox tournament on Friday, February 17th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. in room one of the South Dining Hall. Compete against your friends and play for the chance to win prizes. Please enter through the event entrance by the ATM. Be sure to come out for this fun and competitive event. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Christian University, KUR. So USC, Oklahoma State, a couple teams I'd like to move down and move up. Memphis, I think, will slide in for Kentucky as of right now as Memphis just got a win at home last night against Temple. And with Kentucky's loss to Georgia on the road, that might drop him out of this last four in for now. But there's going to see so much movement. A Seton Hall lost this past weekend against Villanova. Uh, if they would have won that game, I would have helped keep moving them up. Uh, Shaheen Holloway in his first you're at is on modern Seton Hall after his his miracle run at St. Peter's last year to the Sweet 16. Oh no, Elite Eight correction. My bad. Uh, as they lost to UNC. Where is St. Peter's this year? Uh not great in their okay. respective conference. Gotcha. So. What happened? Uh they lost their coach and they lost a lot of the key players from last year's team. Doug mm-hmm. Eddard, one of the star guards that team transferred out to Bryant in the NEC. Uh so when you lose your coach and you lose some of your more valuable players, not really great considering you're a mid major and yeah, not so fantastic conference. There's some good mid major conferences, but the the MAAC is just not one of them. So did you see them coming last year? No, I didn't. No, that completely came out of nowhere for you. Shocked me. Wow. I like Kentucky to maybe even go to the final four and win it. I really did. Wow. With Oscar Shebe, National Player of the Year. I just like that team in general. That I thought they could defend well, shoot it well, and they just came out flat and did not play well at all. That's against, crazy. Uh, St. Peter's, and they went on their run. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We could see another team who was at a 15 seed a couple years ago, Oral Roberts. I think they're going to make it back to the NCAA tournament this year. Probably be a 12 seed as it stands right now. Probably one of the best major teams. They got Max Aismas, who was the star of that Golden Eagles team who went to the Sweet 16 uh, in 2021. Uh, and I think this year's team's better than that 15 seed team who uh, went, went to the Sweet 16 with Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner, who now plays for Texas Tech. So uh, I'm just going to say now, watch out for Oral Roberts. Just going to get it out there. 
All right. Jack's a uh, little mid-major team to watch Could there. they make a run? I think so. Maybe. Maybe. Only time will tell. How many days out? 27 of Selection Sunday. Okay. When do the games start after that? First four is on Tuesday and Wednesday, round one, Thursday, Friday, and the second round will be that Saturday and Sunday. Wow. Okay. So, moves fast. It does. It it moves really fast. I remember that with, um, I think it was Penn State was in it the uh, the other year. My brother was Long talking time about ago. them getting, uh, oh, oh, no, then it was, um, oh, it was when he was at Belmont. Uh, ah, I yes, think, the Belmont uh, Bruins. Yeah. Made it out of the uh, OVC, the yeah. Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah. Before Murray State and Belmont uh, moved up to the Missouri Valley Conference this past season, and, and a vast majority of conference realignment moves. Yep, but they were led by uh, oh, who was the coach of that team? Oh, I they played Maryland and they lost. Yes, in the first round, it was yeah. Bruno Fernandez and that Terps team who beat them. I, I picked Belmont to win that game, and they had it down the stretch. They lost by I think five. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was a very tight game. That was a very solid Belmont team. I believe they were an eleven seed that year. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, they. Uh, they played in and all that, and everyone was excited. Thought they were going to win. I think it was Nershinsky was that forward I was thinking of. I just can't remember his name exactly. But. Yeah. So uh, that's what I remember from uh, March Madness is hearing like him talk about the schedule of if they win, where they're going next, like you know, and it moves really quickly. It so. does, man. Not a lot of quick turnarounds. When you play on Thursday, you get a rest day, and you're playing your second round game on Saturday. I mean, there's not a lot of preparation that goes into those games. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you're doing brief film review. You know, you do, I guess, a quick walkthrough, uh, and that's kind of it. Like, that's what that's what allows like the, that. the chaos of March Madness to take over. I like that a lot. Because you don't have a lot of time to scout the opponents. Something I never really You just got to rely on your guns, go in there, and say, you know what, I, I trust my team and their firepower to beat this other team and their firepower and what they bring to the table. Yeah. And that's what allows these upsets to happen. Because anyone can beat anyone, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, outside of these 116s. Anyone can beat anyone. If you've seen these last couple of years, the two, fi- two 15 seeds win a couple tournament games. <laughs> anyone can beat anyone any given year. And that what ma- and that is what makes March Madness so special. Yeah, so it's, special. It's, a, it's a point I really haven't thought about that uh, you really don't have that much that much time to to think about it. And and you just have to go. You just have to move. Yeah, dude, you got to go. Country you you got to go to your next city, man. Yeah, that's really uh, impressive now that I think about it and. All the planning that has to go into that. You know, you have the first couple, you know, you have the first and second round, I think, in one city, and then you're going to a new city for the Sweet 16, and then Elite Eight, I might be, maybe, uh, is in the same city as well, and then Final Four is different. So you're packing up and going, man. Like, it's a lot of travel. There's a lot that goes into it, man. It, it, to go on a deep tournament run and even to win the national championship it takes a lot. Yeah. That's why they call it March Madness. Fair. Anything else you're watching uh, this upcoming couple days here? Well, we mentioned Northwestern beating Purdue. Northwestern, the Wildcats, trying to get into the NCAA tournament for only the second time in program's history. Evanston, uh, I believe Illinois is where Northwestern is, if I'm correct. I believe I am about that. Evanston, I believe, just outside of Chicago. Is it Illinois? I think it's Illinois. Yeah, Illinois or Wisconsin, one of those. I think it's Illinois. For my father, I think. Evanston, Illinois. I was right. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just trying to make March Madness for the second time in their program's history. Uh, they're led by Boo Booey and Chase Audige, their guard combo. Uh, they take down Purdue, man. I was stunned by that. I really was. And Northwestern, I think, with that win is pretty much not a guarantee, but they got to win a couple more Big Ten games. So they're second right now in the Big Ten. I mean, they're one of the biggest surprise teams in the country this year. What, mm-hmm. what the Wildcats have been able to do, very, very impressive. Guard play wins in March. Northwestern has a pair of very solid guards. I'm not saying the Wildcats are going to go on a deep tournament run, uh, but guard play wins in March. They do have good guards. They check that box. Uh, so that's interesting. I don't know. 
Purdue, I don't know how to feel about them. I don't. It's so confusing because they're so talented. Zach Eadie's going to win National Play of the Year. I mentioned him many times on the show. They're, they're young freshman guards in Fletcher Lawyer and in Braden Smith. Very good. But if they're not on, man, this team can fall. And they show that there are cracks in the armor here. They can be beat. And I think Northwestern and uh, Northwestern, you have Rutgers who's, who's done it to them. There is a recipe to beat this Purdue team. And I don't think they'll win the national championship. Mm. Can they go in a deep tournament run? Absolutely. But I don't think this Boilermakers team's got what it takes. Who do you think is going to win the national team? title? Oh, that's such a tough question. If you had to put money on it. I always, I've liked Alabama this whole year. They defend well. They're top five in Ken Palm efficiency. They have, they have experienced wins. guard play. They have experienced guard play. Brandon Miller is one of the most polarizing freshmen in the country. They also have Clowney, another freshman. Uh, so they have some youth on this team, but they have you know Spears is an experienced guard. They have Javon Quinterly, who they've gotten for three years now after starting at Villanova, coming over. I, I like the tide, but things can change. I don't know. But as if I had to say right now, it'd be Alabama. Things can change in the next couple weeks. So Sounds good. Uh, I'm not going to lock it in fully for Alabama when the national championship confirmed, but I do like the way they play. And Nate Oates is a very good coach. That's going to take us to the end of today's show. However, we will be back on Wednesday here on the Radio Voice of Custom University, KUR Cutstown. Uh, from Mitchell Smedley, I am Jack Hahn. We will sign off back on Wednesday morning. Thank you all for listening, as always, and have a great rest of your day.